0: Hmm? Just it, just send it, send it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know. What do you do with your pig? You did. I don't know where it went. Got a little choir here to help me out, to teach them to be used to being on stage. So uh, it's good to have you all here this morning. We're going to do a set of hymns that uh, I think are familiar to you. We've done them a couple months ago here, and and uh, I like to, when, when we do these a cappella sing-along style, uh, I like to... Uh, have a number of different sets that we repeat occasionally. So you get used to singing this way and lifting our voices and and hearing the words and and that kind of thing. So we repeat what we do a little bit. So we're going to start. Actually, my normal uh, computer operator is not here this morning. Who can I tag for that? Michael. You're not doing anything back there. Really loud. We do have a number of people that are traveling this morning. Our, uh, we just, so it is a little bit smaller, but we'll uh, all do the best we can and uh, sing it out. Let's sing, Come Thou Almighty King.
1: Almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to pray. Father all-glorious, so all-victorious, come and reign over us, Ancient of Days. i
0: prayer this morning that the Almighty King, who is also our Father, will come and be with us here this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Another song of worship, Oh Worship the King. And if you have any uh, testimonies, anything on your heart, a testimony of praise or worship, or anything else, please feel free to share that in between these songs. O worship the King, O glorious
1: above, and gratefully sing. Our love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, a billion in splendor.
0: Last line, just cover it all. Our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. quite fast enough on the button. (laughs) It is well with my soul. One of my favorite hymns. You're hoping Jesus this morning? Amen. All right, well, let's sing about it then.
1: All
0: other ground is sinking sand. Right, kids. If you want to come up here, I got a couple sing-along songs for you. I think there are ones you'll know. I actually don't have the words to them up there, but uh, you'll know them. So come stand up here with Caden and, and Tiffany, and we'll sing a couple songs. See if you can sing along to these. And then I actually did not look at the list, but I assume somebody's on for children's lesson. John, who, who's on for children's lesson? Somebody? <laughs> Ah, sounds like we got some confusion going on there. Well, we'll sing a couple songs and we'll skip the lesson, I guess. Guys, come stand over here with the with the kids over here. You can turn on their, the two uh, wired mics if you want to tie and pick up their voices a little bit. All right, well, we're going to sing these two songs, and uh, after that one, we'll take a little bit of a break instead of having the uh, instead of having the children's lesson. Unless somebody has something off the cuff.
2: Okay. <laughs> Jesus
0: loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Let the no one <laughs> to
1: hear you. Make this heart of mine Make it pure and holy, Thine On the cross you died for me I will have to live for Thee Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me.
0: Oh tells me Jesus. So. Cast your burdens. I don't have that one on here, bud. How about Jesus loves the little children? You know that one? Yeah, no. Jesus.
1: died for all the children of the world. Jesus rose for all the children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus rose for all the children of the world.
0: All right. Thank you for uh, helping me sing the along. Part of that. There was Really? part they had on there. All right. You can go back to your seats. I guess it uh, doesn't look like we have a children's lesson itself today. But thank you for helping me sing those songs. Shall we put your guitar on the stand over here? Let's put the pick over here. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for... Uh, pitching in with the singing. and That was the last time I enjoyed looking out over the audience and seeing you guys sing those songs from your heart. Um, Let's, uh, first of all, I don't don't think we really have any announcements other than lunch afterwards. Um, I think that's the main thing, unless anybody else had any other announcements for the coming week. Um, Steve, did you have something? right Wednesday November 2nd I'm sure there'll be details following on that thank you Steve Uh, all right well let's uh, take about a uh, five or ten minute break go get some coffee water whatever's back there in the foyer say hello to your neighbor and uh, we'll come back in here in about five or ten minutes and brother Phil I believe will be sharing the word with us today thank you You want to sit up here with me while Phil preaches? (laughs) All right. Come on back in and uh, we'll go sit by mom. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together already this morning. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit here in our midst. And I pray that you'd now speak to us through your word and Um, Speak to our brother that he would share the things that that you have for him to share and that it would minister life and strength to each one of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Amen. Just to echo uh, Steve's announcement, I was also going to remind any one of you men who want to be a part of Uh, both young and older men who want to be a part of the book study we're going to do together the first Wednesday of every month I plan to do that Um, we'll be going through the book The Heart of a Warrior and the subtitle is to be an effective warrior you must first become a beloved son and this I don't have the book with me um, but I've shown it to you a couple times and so I'm, I'm ordering these books. Um, if you do want to join the study, please let me know. The books are going to be free to each one of you who wants to join. And uh, and bring others with you if you like. If it's a small group of us, we'll have it at our house. If the group continues to grow larger, we'll just do it up here. And We plan to start um, Wednesday night, um, the first Wednesday of... November, which is the date is the 2nd, yep, and we'll do it at 6.30, you can meet at 6.30 at our house. If you're interested, please do let me know so I can order more books, and uh, I'll, have a, I'll have some extra, I thought I'd go ahead and order about 15 or 20 books, so I'll have some extra ones as well. It comes with along with kind of a, a study guide, and so it's just a good book to study together. Father in heaven, we come to you and to your living word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would do two things. Would you, I pray, open up the words of life to us. Open it up, Lord, and explain it to us through your Spirit. And then, Lord, would you open the eyes of our understanding? Open up our eyes, Lord, to behold these wondrous things out of your law, not only to see them, but to understand and receive them into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. So last Sunday, I began sharing this uh, truth that the Lord has been deeply impressing on my heart for a long time now and it's been growing I shared with the ministry team this deep conviction I couldn't shake it I just couldn't let it go it it's when the Lord begins to reveal something to me that I need to grow in my personal response is this I dig into the word I begin to look at every verse where it teaches it so I can learn in a balanced way what the Lord is trying to teach me but if it's in regards to our practice as a church and my responsibility as uh, as a pastor here in the church in not only sharing God's word but leading us as a church into practicing God's word together then I do the same thing and then I bring it to the ministry team and there are seven of us here who are in the ministry team and I share it with them and we begin to pray through this together and I say, you go home and study this and let's come together I wanna hear what the Lord reveals to you and so we've done that with this subject about six months ago so when I shared it with the ministry team and today would like to present it to you we've decided that the Lord wants to change some things up in our practice as a church Uh, up to this time we have been sharing in the breaking of bread and communion services four times a year. Every time there's a fifth Sunday, we decided we're going to celebrate what we call communion or the breaking of bread or celebrating the Lord's death. The question the Lord asked me was this, why not more often? And I looked at this word in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and they were continually Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those four things they were devoting themselves to. It was not just something they did once in a great while. If you continue to read, they were doing it often with each other. This was a common experience they did and as I looked at that I said well Lord we're doing well we meet weekly or even sometimes throughout the week and we we study the the word together we share that so the teaching we're doing the fellowship we have a fellowship meal every Sunday we we believe in that being a part of our worship experiences not just to come together for an hour or two and sing and listen to the teaching we want to sit together and fellowship one with each other. We're doing that. We have prayer every Saturday morning here. And anyone who wants to come can come and we can pray together. We're doing that. Why am I missing the breaking of bread? Why only four times a year? And the Lord really convicted me personally, saying, You should celebrate me more often. Is it not all about me? And I'm not, am I not the author and finisher of your faith? And then the Lord took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. And I realized that this is no neutral experience for the Christian It either ministers death or life to us. It is not a neutral thing. It is not just something that God said, Hey, if you do it once in a while, that's good. No. It is really important because the effects of doing it wrong is death. Spiritual death. I'm going to read it to you. Paul says in verse 23, first Corinthians chapter 11 for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you you see the ministry of Paul that's our ministry that's what I'm doing with you here today as I receive it from the Lord it's my duty before God to share this truth with you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he betrayed he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my new promise in my blood. Do this as often as, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner or in an unworthy manner, Way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so you see that this experience is a self examination, it's not an interrogation. Don't get that wrong. A lot of churches have taken it to that, they examine each other. That's not what the Bible says. I'm not here to examine your life when we come together to break the bread and drink the cup and celebrate the Lord's death. That is not what His death and resurrection brought to the church, to the world. No, it brought His life. It brought His life to the world. But let each man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you sleep. And that word is, are dead spiritually. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. Or that word is damned in the Greek. We will not face damnation. But when we are judged, or that word, by the way, is examined. I love that word. It's the same word as let a man examine. Let when we are examined by the Lord. It's like the Lord is taking an x-ray of my heart I'm coming to the Lord for an x-ray what do you see Lord what's my cat scan look like in the light of your word but when we are examined we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned or damned along with the world so then my brethren when you come together to eat Wait for one another, or that word is serve one another. It's the word that we get the word waitress from. At a table, at a restaurant. What does a waitress do? What do you think of when you think of a waitress? Why would you call her that? Is she standing there and waiting for you? What does she do? What is her job? Serving, right? She waits to see what you need, and she's here to serve you. Communion is an act of serving one another with the love of Jesus Christ, the life of Christ. Wow! Isn't it amazing what Satan can do with something that God ordains and commands the church to do together And it's meant for the life and health and encouragement and building up of each other in the church. And he turns it inside out or upside down and makes it a time of condemnation because we examine each other. Be careful. That will cause you to become weak. And if you let it there, it will grow into a sickness, a spiritual Disease in your heart and eventually death to relationship both with Jesus and his body and that is the seriousness of this shouldn't we do it more often yes we should yes we should because the strong warning is only there because of the power of it as Lucas liked to say, that's a pack in the punch. I don't know what that means, but it's usually when he thinks, wow, that's like that's pretty bold. Or, it's a pack in the punch. You know what I like to think of it? It's a punch into the devil's nose in my life. I and mean, he knows it. And that's why he's made it such a pack in the gut when we do it wrong. It has the power of life and death. And this is the body of Christ. This is what Christ came to do. Jesus said in John chapter 3, This is the condemnation that has come into the world. That men love darkness rather than light. And they won't come to the light, lest their deeds should be examined or reproved. they love darkness rather than light but he said I did not come to condemn the world I came to give it light and life however if we turn away from it it becomes darkness to us and death so then my brethren when you come together to eat serve Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you may not come together for judgment and the remaining matters I shall arrange when I come. Now, you'll notice earlier in the chapter, Paul addresses what was going on in the church at Corinth. This was God's people. This wasn't a wicked city. This was the church. Some were coming together and getting drunk and others were becoming gluttonous. And others were there and were starving, were hungry and thirsty. There was this selfishness and exclusion of each other going on in the church. And it was dividing and splitting up the church at Corinth, pitting each other against each other. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was addressing that. Now, I also want to set another thing correct. There has also become, I, I call it not a theology because it's not. It's not a right thinking about God, but a philosophy of human perspective or human error that Satan has also done with this truth. With the verse, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. I'm sorry, I'm going to go back up to verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the Lord's bread whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the lord i've seen i've heard christians say this while i'm unworthy so i'm not going to take communion because i'm struggling with something in my life i don't know am i really perfect before god have i done something wrong have i am i am i doing this Am I somehow worthy to receive and experience this with Christ? And because they feel unworthy and are imperfect, as they examine themselves, they withdraw themselves. And they don't obey this word. And you know what? Satan is just as effective with that lie as he is with the other. Because you withdraw yourself from This life-giving experience that Jesus gave to His people. None of us are worthy, dear brother, sister. No one is worthy to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. No one is worthy to have Christ die for your sins and forgive you all your iniquities and to adopt you into His family. There is none righteous. No, not one. Christ did not die because we were worthy of His death and forgiveness. And now, being raised up into the heavens and daily making intercession for you. He does not make intercession for my sins and forgive me because I'm worthy. He does it because I'm not worthy. That's not what the Holy Spirit is teaching. What He's teaching here is that you do it in an unworthy manner like they were. They were doing it as a selfish, fleshly act and sinning against each other. That was the unworthy way in which they were celebrating what was to be exactly the the opposite. What Jesus had demonstrated it to the disciples at the Last Supper. So I wanted to just talk about the breaking of bread last Sunday to recap. I spoke on the other two things. One is the teaching and how important it is to give ourselves to the teaching of God's word, to Christ's teaching and His written word into my life. Very important. Not only to listen to it, but to come to receive it and to love it. And so to recap that a little bit, I want to take you just for a moment... I'm going to take you to 2 Thessalonians. The Lord brought this word to my heart as I was sharing, um, as I was studying this and sharing last Sunday. And the Lord didn't lead me to share it, but I want to share it with you this time. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul was warning the church in Thessalonica of false teachers and the Antichrist who was going to come into the world and lead many people astray. Christians who were on fire for Jesus, who loved Him because of false teaching, were led astray from Jesus and their faith in Him and their love for the church. Their love for the church. Beware Dear brothers and sisters, when the teaching you are listening to leads you away from the love of the brethren, it's a false teaching and it always has that ingredient. You don't need God's word to serve him and please him as I shared with you there are many Christians now who are saying these are conservative minded Christians who by outward appearance it would seem they love Jesus they're not out there getting drunk they're not out there taking drugs they're not out there committing adultery and fornication but you know what they're saying I can love Jesus without the Bible the Bible condemns me I really don't need to read much of the Bible I just need to feel What Jesus wants to do for me and enter into his love and what they're talking about is an emotion instead of an act of obedience to his word. Leads them astray. And Satan is very clever. He can outsmart every one of us. He knows the Bible way better than any of us put together. Talk about Bible memorization. He's got it all. He knows the power of music better than any of us do in this world. That's who he was. He was the highest angel of heaven. The most powerful angel in heaven. He was the leader of worship in heaven. You can read this in Ezekiel chapter 12. This was the most powerful angel. That's why he was so influential. And he was able to lead a third of the angels with him away in a rebellion against God. Don't underestimate your enemy. We're no match for it. Outside of the grace of God and the wisdom of His Holy Spirit will never win. He'll always outsmart and defeat us. But we don't need to fear Him because greater is He that is within you than he that is within the world. That's why and the only reason we don't need to fear our enemy. In verse 2, 2nd epistle, Thessalonians. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is come. Let no one in any way deceive you. For he will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. You'll note the word. He calls him the man of lawlessness. Dear fellow believer, beware of lawlessness. Christians who want no law. That's the spirit that is in the devil. And he will tell you, Law in your life, the law of God, is dead. Christ delivered us from the law. He set me free. He will deceive us in thinking we can be lawless and don't need to live by the law of the Spirit or any man's law because we're free in Jesus Christ. You know what you become then? Your own God. The only law you listen to is your own law. That's how you live. You're still subject to a law. It's just your own law in your own head. What you think is right. Don't be deceived. He's the spirit of lawlessness who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now so that in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth, bringing to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because... This is the only reason we're led astray. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. What do you do with something you love? Examine yourself. Do you love the truth? What do you do with something you love? Really love. Think about it we say that's right you hang on to it we say often i love this maybe you say i love ice cream i love chocolate i love we use the word commonly right what does it mean how do you prove to others you love it lucas well for me there's a difference like means i like it love means you know uh love. Mm, you love mom that's a good difference that's how it should be we shouldn't love any food actually God is love and so that's where true love lies and anything with related to God and his commandments there is love but the common expression that we love something which we mean we enjoy it or we like it what do you do with it when you like ice cream or you enjoy it or you say I love ice cream how often do you eat ice cream Once a month? How about four times a year? Can you prove to somebody you love ice cream if you only eat it four times a year? You won't prove that to me. I'd say,
1: Hi, what?
3: Come on, you don't love ice cream. That's like eating spinach or something. <laughs> We're talking about love of the truth, how it saves us and changes us. And when I love the truth, I escape this. Look at the next verse. Verse 11. And for this reason, they did not love the truth as to receive it. And for this reason, God reacts. God acts upon. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they all might be judged, damned, who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in In wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren. This is communion. We should always give thanks to God for you, brethren. Beloved by the Lord. Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Through sanctification. That word means he's changing me. He's sanctifying me. The Greek word simply means he's setting me apart for himself. That's what he means. Setting me apart. And he doesn't just do it with a blank check. What I find he does, sanctification is an ongoing experience with Jesus. He does it with my thought life in first Corinthians chapter 10 I think it is where he says take every thought captive and bring it under the obedience of Jesus Christ he renews our mind Romans chapter 12 we are sanctified by the renewing of your mind it transforms our life set the part he sets more and more of my mind my ambitions he begins to set apart for himself my way of doing things, He sets apart. This is one of those experiences. For me, the Lord is setting Himself apart in a more deeper, loving way because He has life. A deep love He wants to share with us together as a church. More often. It will change us. Yes, your teaching is important. Your fellowship is important. Fellowship in Ephesians chapter 5. He tells us if we walk in the light. We are now children of light. So walk in that light and you have fellowship. First John 1 John 1.9 If we walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship with God and each other is very important in my Christian life. So, teaching, take heed to your teaching, Paul says to Timothy. Very important. Receive it. Love it. Oh, dear believer, read through Proverbs, where Solomon in 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 Proverbs chapter 2, 3, and 4 says, Listen, my son. Listen to me, my son. Open up your heart to me. Receive my sayings. I will give you wisdom. I will give you life. It will be, it will. Preserve you from the evil woman, from the adulterous woman, from the sin of, that is surrounds you in your life. Instruction is very important in my life. Don't ever lose that attitude. I must continually receive instruction. We never mature in our Christian life to the point where we don't need instruction. We need it all the time and fellowship. He warns us also, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them by your life. And so in Ephesians 5, fellowship is very important. And now the breaking of bread, is what I'm sharing with us today, is very important in our Christian journey together as His body, in experiencing the power of God. That's why they were so devoted to it. This is how the Lord demonstrated it, and that's why I brought the chair up here. I'm warm, so I'm going to take off my coat. But think about this chair, and it has four legs. And the Lord said to me, Phil, this is like having, or as I demonstrated last Sunday, four pillars in your life. But I want to make it real practical, because we didn't have a children's lesson. So I was praying, Lord, give me a practical illustration for the children. So Anthony came right up here and he just sat down very comfortably. It didn't seem like he was worried at all. And I'm doing the same thing, right? I am very comfortable right here. I mean, I'm not worried about falling off this chair at all. It seems very secure, comforting. It's holding me up quite well. Any volunteers to come sit on this chair? You'd all be comfortable with it, wouldn't you? Sure. How about if I try this? Let's take, well, okay, I thought that just screws off. Let's take the, imagine this, take the one leg off. Now it only has three legs. This leg's missing. You still want to come up and sit on it? Come on, it'll hold you. Are you sure it won't? I think it would. Don't you, Donna? You might have to be careful how you sit, but I don't think you'd be doing this, would you? You'd be pretty careful. You'd be like, okay, three legs. And if if you don't keep your leg here, You're probably going to fall. Okay. So we take one of these legs out of our life where they become weak in our life. And immediately there's like a... You know what you lose? Think about what you lose. You can't relax. If you can't relax in Christ's love and in His body in the church... You're always on edge. Careful that you're not going to slip and fall. And when we receive instruction and we're guarded, we can't really receive the love of that instruction. We get it wrong. We hear things that are not said. They're implied or there's all kinds of perceptions that come into our minds in the way we receive because we're not relaxed. Think about your children for a moment, parents. When you come to give them correction, they know they did something wrong. Are they relaxed? Uh-uh. How do they receive your instruction and correction? Very guarded. And if they're small enough and you've been doing this to them, they're not giving your their behind to you. They're 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 backing up to the wall, right? Daddy, 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 oh, please. And you can talk to them. You can even try to pray with them. They're not ready to just oh, receive it all, are they? Uh-uh. They're... Oh, oh, oh. And that's how a lot of Christians are in the church. That's how we are with each other when we come to communion. <gasps> becomes The church has become a beating place. We preachers discipline God's children, and it should never be so. But that's often what is experienced in the body of Christ. Only the Lord is allowed to discipline his children. Do you think it would be right if Lucas needed correction that I would ask you, angel, to discipline him? No. No you're his brother in Christ but who gave you that authority or if i ask michael you go discipline your brother do you think how do you think that would work would you be okay with that lucas i don't think so it's the father and only the father's responsibility to discipline his children now the church is called to exhort one another yes elders and pastors are called to warn people to give them the word of God. If you see your brother sin in Ezekiel 18, it says very clearly, go warn him. But that's all. We're called to love one another and build each other up. And if one of these legs is missing in our life, our love for each other comes out wrong. And even if it's from a sincere heart, often is received in a very guarded way. Now take off another leg okay maybe you've got the teaching down pat that's a strong pillar in your life you're daily in the word you're taking heed to your teaching you've doctrines are correct and maybe you have fellowship you're really strong on that leg of fellowship you hang out all the time with God's people and encouraging building up you've got that good well done and maybe you have the prayer well done But if the breaking of bread is wrong in your life, you're gonna be guarded with each other. Or maybe those two you have missing. The fellowship of breaking bread, of coming together in Christ's death and resurrection is weak in your life, and prayer is weak. You hardly ever pray with anyone or of God's people in your life. How would you, how would you like to sit on a two-legged chair? you see how the uncomfortable more guarded rises in your life now you're even more careful only two legs I'm not even sure would I have any volunteers if I took off two legs to come here and sit on the chair (coughs) you would just for the fun of it right (laughs) not to relax though would you you wouldn't even consider in fact most people would say no thank you I'll pass Is that what your children are saying about your faith? No, thank you, Dad. I'll pass. This one is really deep in my heart because, dear dear brothers and sisters, I failed in this. And my job in the church, in my work in the kingdom. There were too many times I was weak in some legs and only had maybe two. No thank you, I'll pass. And so me sharing this word with you is a word of repentance for me. It's a deep work of sanctification that the Lord is setting himself me apart in and changing me and transforming me. And I'm not gonna be perfect after I've shared this with you, but that's my goal. If anyone wants to be perfect, Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, how should he think? Forget those things which are behind and we reach for those things which are before and we press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You want to be perfect? Let everyone who wants to be perfect be thus minded. God will make your way, my way, perfect. As for God, His way is perfect. And he makes my way perfect. Through repentance, obedience, and building up my life with his word. The love of the truth. The fellowship of the saints. The honoring of Jesus. Together. In serving one another. That's what I see in the breaking of bread. If you want to do a really good read, how many of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? You heard of him? He was, a, he was a Lutheran pastor in Germany. And he was one of those men, one of the rare men, few men, who stood up in that day against Hitler's regime because of his faith towards God. One of Hitler's ambitions was to take over the church. Not just the government, he knew that to be effective with people in the country, you have to get to their faith. He knew that. Go back and read it. And so what he did, he began a, a, a an underground or deceitful campaign to bring the hearts of the pastors into his regime into his way of thinking by disarming them and saying it's okay it's okay and he finally got a big meeting of all the pastors in Germany uh, in, in all the denominations of the churches and he brought them together and and, and and he began to present to them his theology did you know Hitler had a theology he did and you know what he asked all of those pastors to sign a document at that meeting saying they'll join the Third Reich. that he's actually for God, for God and country. Every one of them signed it except three. Dietrich was one of those three that got up and walked out. And so later, as they were losing the war, they made sure he died. He was one of the last men As the U.S. Army was coming and closing in on the prison he was stationed in, they quickly killed him. Hitler said, he can't live. Because he remembered that from about three years earlier. He wrote a book. Oh, you should get to know this man. He wasn't a perfect man and I actually disagree in some of his theology but I'll tell you what I love him as a brother and I can't wait to have fellowship with him around the table of God for all eternity so one of my heroes of the faith that I can't wait to meet because he paid the ultimate price for the love of Jesus Christ and the purity of devotion to his body shortly after that meeting when all those other pastors signed that Luther said I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, I can't be a Lutheran. Is this, if this is where the denomination is going, I'm going to step apart. And he was willing to leave that denomination and start what he called the free church. We're free of the government. We are free in Christ. We only have one who is our Lord. And we won't say, hail Hitler. We'll say, hail to the king. He wrote a book, a number of books actually, wrote a lot of um, blogs because he was a, a very effective teacher, and he wrote one on communion, the communion of the saints and life together. I was going to go through and do some quotes. I think I'll actually just let it go, but I want to encourage you to read it. The communion of the saints and life together. And that book has challenged me for years. And one of the things he really challenged me deeply was with this word, as he coined it, a cheap grace. I might go ahead and just quote that. I have it here somewhere. Here it is. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ incarnate living in us. And I realized, the Lord began to speak into my heart, Phil, what cheapens my grace to you? The riches of His grace, Paul talked about in Ephesians and Colossians. By the way, you can write that down, the riches of His grace, and then look it up in a concordance and go look at all the scriptures of how Paul talked about God's grace and its rich experience in my life and in the saints. It's not a personal experience that puts you on an island somewhere spiritually and you have no fellowship with everybody else because you're better than them. No, that's the Pharisee who received no grace. Comes into the temple, Jesus said. Two men came into the house of God. The one came to the Lord and said, Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. I I fast twice a week. I give my tithes. And he he praised himself to God. And then he says, and oh, I thank you I'm not like that guy on the back seat. I sit on the up front. I'm earnest and sincere about Christ. I thank you that I'm not like this other man. But the other man came in and sat in the back. It doesn't say in the back. I'm just adding that. But he wouldn't even as much as lift his head, but he beat his chest god be merciful to me which one went to home with grace justified all of his sins forgiven receiving god's divine heavenly influence on his life and changed the pharisee or the sinner the sinner Pharisee went home deceived he didn't go home recognizing that grace at all in that sinner he was just glad he wasn't like him there's a verse in Isaiah that the Lord has often challenged me with he said to those who say to another don't come near me I'm holier than you are are like a constant smoke in my nose That's what God said. When that attitude is within our hearts, dear brothers and sisters, to each other, as we come together or as we live among the saints and have fellowship with each other, that attitude is like, you know, you've sat around a fire pit and the smoke is always blowing at you. You just stay there and enjoy it. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the smoke. This is so lovely, like. And you just inhale. Oh, the smoke is wonderful. Is that what we do? What do you do? What do you do? Huh? Lucas? You want to get out. In fact, you move, don't you? When the smoke just keeps blowing at you, you move your chair. And you come over to this side. And if the smoke starts blowing, it it kind of is that way sometimes. The smoke just kind of, the wind follows you, you know? I don't know if it's some kind of human chemistry or something that, you know, fire has its own thing it does and maybe it senses body heat and follows you. I don't know how it works but I know that that often happens. I keep moving around and moving around. The smoke just wants to follow me. I keep moving. Is your life keep God on the move? James says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Humble yourselves. Confess your faults. Repent from your sins. And the Lord will lift you up. But if we have this attitude within each other, I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm holier. Don't come too close to me. We're like this constant smoke in God's nose. And he'll just move away. His Holy Spirit will go somewhere else. That's what he did to Israel. He said, I can't go with you anymore. Or else I'd kill you. I'll send my angel my presence will not go with you. Unfortunately, a lot of so-called Christians are okay with that, just like Israel was. They were just fine with that. The only man who wasn't fine with that and Joshua was Moses. No, God, I can't go unless you go with us. He wouldn't go. Would you substitute the presence of the holy spirit without restriction in your life or an angel you know people christians celebrate angels many they're dazzled by them paul says in galatians if an angel from heaven comes to you and preaches another gospel let him be accursed And yet many Christians listen to angels with another gospel and they're intrigued. Are you mesmerized if if I told you, I'm preaching this message to you because an angel appeared to me here early this morning and he gave me this word. Would that affect you? I had a first cousin. Many years ago, was a young boy young man, 18, 19 years old. Was not a Christian. Was raised in the Amish culture and he got involved in drugs and in dealing drugs and lived a, a life of the flesh to the uttermost. And he got in trouble for it and arrested and busted and he was given a pass by the government by the prosecutors that if he Ratted out those who were selling these drugs to him if he identified them and would go back to being Amish and promise them he'll stay Amish for the rest of his life and be obedient to the church. They won't, pro- they won't put him in jail for the rest of his life. So he did that. And the rest 10 motorcycle guys, the gang, got busted big time. It was a big headline news bust in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Of course, that whole, they didn't get all of them, and their connections were out to kill him. And so he he went to Texas. to actually Katie's uncle, and stayed with her uncle for a long time in Texas, many years. Way out on some big ranch, very rural. No one knew where he went except family and the government. He stayed there for many years, and finally he came back to Pennsylvania, and he joined the church. He did exactly what the government told him to do, and one night, he was laying there in bed, and he was waking. Someone was sitting on a chair next to him, and he had an older brother who had gotten born again, was on fire for Jesus Christ. And kept preaching the gospel to him regularly. He thought it was him. And he shared with him, you need to repent from your sin. You need to accept Jesus Christ. He shared the gospel with him. And he fell asleep. And the next morning, he looks at his brother and says, why did you come into my room last night? His brother said, what are you talking about? I didn't come into your room. Yes, you did. You were preaching at me last night. Bro, I wasn't even at home last night. He had been off to a friend's house. And ironically, his friends were praying for him. He said, I think you've seen an angel. And to this day, he believes he's seen an angel, gave him the gospel, but he never gave his heart to Jesus to this day yet. And he's almost my age, almost 50 years old, a good Amishman was never born again, though he's seen an angel who proclaimed the gospel to him, as he says. Angels won't save you, dear friend. No. Though an angel preach from heaven to you, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit taking the simple word of life, the thing that lies on your shelf and gives you the truth of repentance of a believer's baptism, a baptism of faith towards God that saves your soul and is a testimony to the whole world that you have been translated from darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. Baptism is powerful as well. Don't ever underestimate that in your life. In the Muslim faith and throughout the history of the church, many have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. But it isn't until the day they receive a water baptism that all hell breaks loose over their life and they're killed for their faith. You can say what you like. Just don't do an act of allegiance to the Lamb. That is blasphemy to Muhammad or to Buddha. Buddha or to any other god in this world it's powerful and that's why Peter preached to the Jews when they said in Acts 2 what must we do to be saved and he said repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins it's the power of God that saved them that day because they were willing to not only confess with their mouth but to obey the scriptures and to an act of obedience and allegiance to Jesus Christ Well, I'm speaking to you about a cheap grace or an act of fellowship together, breaking bread. Now you understand a bit of why the Lord has been doing this work in my heart and saying, Phil, this is an area where I want to sanctify, make it more perfect, and redeem your stronger love for you to bring you to myself as a fellowship. If you read in John 13... John chapter 13. I took the time to just go back here and reread again from 13 all the way to the end of chapter 17. If you read these four chapters, you'll realize they all happened in one night. Don't let Satan divide and conquer. Do you know that Satan has a lot of battles he wins in our minds and in our faith because he divides chapter 17 of John from chapter 13 of John? We don't even think, wait, Jesus was still talking. This was at the Last Supper that he gave him the instruction of John 14, John 15 except you abide in me and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches we don't connect them do we the teaching of chapter 16 of the Holy Spirit in chapter 14 he says I won't leave you as orphans I'll pour out my spirit I'll send the comforter and in chapter 17 he summarizes up with this great prayer "Oh father make them one even as you and I are one so that the world may believe you have sent me let them be known by this one thing That they are my disciples by how they love one another. How they display that love and live it out. It's all taught right here, the last supper that night when Jesus was going to give his life. Does that make it more powerful for you? I hope so. Put that teaching and that instruction into your experience of breaking a bread in the communion with the saints. It'll become a pack-in-the-punch for you. Very powerful experience. Receive this teaching as you come to break the bread. And you will experience the presence of Jesus like perhaps you never have before as you obey His Word. Now, before the feast, in verse 1, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that His hour had come, that He should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the very end. That's what it's all about. And that's what you and I experience when we come to experience it with His instruction, in his fellowship and in obedience to his word we do it in a worthy manner serving one another serving one another loving one another and then the fourth leg is prayer in Acts chapter 2 the teaching of the apostles the fellowship breaking of bread and in prayer, and I I just want to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters, if you don't regularly, if you don't devote yourself to pray with others, to pray commonly together, it's all in the context of they weren't just praying alone in their houses. They were coming together to do these four things. They devoted themselves continually to this act of obedience. And the result was everyone had a feeling, a sense of awe. Worship. That's the word. Worship. I really encourage you to change your life. If you haven't regularly devoted yourselves to praying with the saints, you are really missing a leg of strength of support, of comfort to others in your life. Just like if you're missing the leg of breaking a bread in this way. Or if you're missing the fellowship, you're a loner. And you might hang out, but no one really gets to know you. Or maybe you feel like you don't need Christ's teaching in your life. You can wing it. You know it all. You're good enough. Every one of these legs are really important in our Christian life. And I want to share it with you. My own testimony is just like the testimony of every other believer that if you begin to put those into your life and then strengthen them intentionally devoting yourselves continually to these four things in your life at the cost of your own reputation at the cost of your time at the cost of your money at the cost of your whole life you devote yourselves to it even at the cost of being hurt Do you know how effective the devil is in taking these out of Christians' lives because of people getting hurt in the church. We hurt each other. We just do, sometimes subconsciously, sometimes not on purpose, sometimes intentionally because we're angry with each other or we disagree with each other. Are you willing to continue doing this even when someone hurts you? Great peace have those, have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That word offend means cause them to stumble. I'll tell you my own experience, and I've, I fellowship with other pastors and believers, and one, one uh, brother put it this way. He said, you know, there's probably no other organization that hurts more people And can be more hurtful in the world today than the church. Still, I love the church more than anything else in the world. Do you? Are you willing to get past your hurts and learn to forgive? Learn to not be offended because you don't trust people. Nowhere in the scripture are we called to trust one another. Never! Jeremiah 17 says cursed is the man who puts his trust in men you're not called to trust me you should never trust me husband and wife you're never commanded to trust one another you see we get this wrong in the church we think we're called to trust each other that's wrong show me the verse in the Bible it's a curse and it is a curse we're living with a curse. Because we think we're supposed to trust one another. Our command is to love one another. And love overcomes distrust. 1 Peter chapter 3 is clearly demonstrated in a woman who is married to a man who does not obey the word of God. What does Paul say? Peter say to her. He says, you can't trust your husband. So I'm going to give you an example of this. Be like Sarah. You know, Sarah could not trust Abraham. He wasn't trustworthy in his marriage. Twice, he gave her up to save his own life, to rape. Twice, to wicked kings he said, she's my sister. And he told Sarah, tell him, you're my sister. And the king took her and was going to take her for himself and rape her or take him for himself and marry her. And if God had not intervened that night twice, she would have been raped, because Abraham certainly wasn't going to do it. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm afraid for my life. What a coward. Would you, Would you call me an example of faith? If I did that twice to my wife, would you come to this church? You should. But see, you want to trust me, so you wouldn't come. But you speak fondly of Abraham. You trust him, do you? see how we got it wrong he says Sarah obeyed Abraham because she trusted in God she didn't trust her husband she submitted to him like God had said wives submit to your husbands husbands love your wives doesn't say trust and I tell you if this truth would guide our conscience and our faith we would have much fewer divorces in the church we have much fewer breakups in relationships because we're not looking to trust one another we trust God for each other and we obey the Word of God in loving one another and love covers a multitude of sins love conquers love never fails love overcomes love forgives Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've prayed with couples who one cheated on the other. And I gave them this word. And I said, you don't have to do this. But this is God's word to you. You can. If you trust God and love and forgive, your marriage can be reconciled. And some have the faith for it. Many don't. And so it is in the church. Jesus said, Some will have the faith for it, but many, because there's hurt, will be drawn away and the love will go cold, and they'll take one of the legs out of their life, and then they'll take another leg out of their life, thinking we can survive. I'm fine in my Christian life, but they're not fine. Just like a chair with four legs, they become weaker. And then it develops into a sickness like in Corinthians. And eventually, they fall asleep spiritually. Jesus said, beware, watch, and pray. Are you praying? Have you devoted yourselves? You should try it. I tell you, by God's grace, I'll never take these four legs out of my life. And you can too, and I'm just here to encourage you. Look at the church, look at the early church and read church history every time that God poured out His Spirit with revival in people's hearts and people were born again and converted and encouraged and built up and marriages healed and relationships restored. These four things happened together every time. Like Andrew Murray said, Revival is not an accident. It doesn't just happen. It has, it comes because it follows obedience. It follows obedience. Revival will follow my life and your life through this kind of devotion of obedience to Jesus Christ. God bless you.
0: Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word. You know, so often it's easy for us as as we look at those four legs you know, well, hey, I'm doing really good in this one or I'm doing really good in that one, so maybe that'll kind of, well, don't have to worry about that other one. And and we end up with Blind spots in our lives, I think, because of that, and, and I think that's why uh, we need each other. We need our, we need fellowship, because I believe that that uh, can strengthen all four of those areas in in our lives, and and our our desire should be to continue to grow in uh, a very well-rounded life, if you will, of experiencing those fortunes in our life so thank you for sharing phil yes next
3: sunday um a brother from who's a missionary in iraq is going to be sharing with us here next sunday so if you want to invite more friends or neighbors to come and listen to this brother he's a dear brother that i i don't know super well but i've gotten to know him about a year ago i know his brother uh, very well have for like 20 some years but as i got to know him Uh, I had coffee with him last week, and he's back here to visit family and attend some family weddings. Uh, He's a single brother who has never been married in his life, but has devoted his life to missionary work. For 13 years, he served in Africa, Kenya, in the northern part. To the Muslims, he has a burden for the Muslim people to share the gospel with (coughs) them. And now for a long time he's been in Iraq, in northern Iraq, and ministering to them there. So he's going to come and, and share the word with us next Sunday. Amen.
0: Thank you, Phil. It's good to hear uh, the experiences of other believers around the world. That is definitely an, an enriching experience. So. All right, well that uh, brings us to a close of this part of the service. The so lunch is... Very likely ready or nearly so. So if you can, feel free to stand to your feet. We'll have a closing prayer. Father, I thank you for your love for us and your your desire that we have fellowship with you and, and grow in our love for you and, and for each other. And I, I thank you, Father, for your love and how that when that is real and alive in our hearts. It really affects and changes everything, all our relationships, all of our life. So I pray, Father, that this week your love would be real and alive in each one of our hearts and that we would seek to serve you and serve others through your love. Thank you for the food that's been provided for us. We just pray your blessing on it. Pray that you would bless the time of fellowship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.